And a very warm welcome to Thursday's Richie Allen Show. How are you doing this Thursday? It's Scorchio Tremendo here in Salford on the Costa del Salford. It is roasting. That's lovely. It's what you'd expect in June, I suppose. I'm Richie Allen, the BBG. Reach out to the programme right now via the Richie Allen Show app or contact me via richieallen.co.uk. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, now, back in March, we met the terrific Dr. Ahmad Malik. Remember him? He's uh, based in London. He's a consultant orthopaedic surgeon. And he came on to talk about the fact that last year he began hearing from patients who were injured by covid jabs he went public with that to find out why and what was going on and of course there was a backlash as there always is his manager said to him don't be doing that keep quiet colleagues as well keep quiet dr ahmad malik said no we met him back in march he was brilliant we've invited him back today he joins the program this hour for an extended conversation so he does as i said get in touch with me please via the usual ways the ways you can get in touch with me and i'll be delighted to hear from you yeah it's lovely and warm isn't it isn't it lovely and gloriously warm and they're promising that it'll be very warm by the weekend and humid humidity they're telling us you're going to be humid they're saying that's all right isn't it and that very dystopian crazy weather warning thing which we talked about uh, a week or so ago, they've already deployed that. They've been warning people with their alert system because people are too stupid to know what to do when it's warm outside. We'd never think for ourselves. We'd never reach for the sunscreen. We'd never take bottles of water with us. No, it's a bit mad. We'll leave that one alone for now. Indeed we will. It is um, terror pornography on Sky right now and on the BBC all about the attack in France. A Syrian national who was given refugee status in Sweden, meaning if you're given refugee status, you can travel in the Schengen area. So he ended up in France, apparently, and he went a bit mad with a knife. Not funny. A 22-month-old child was among the victims of this man at the attack, where he attacked these children in a playground in Annecy in France, which is near a lake, apparently. UK Foreign Secretary James Cleverly has said a British child, as I've already said, is, um, is one of the four children injured. No, I didn't say that. I'm saying it now. One of the four children injured even is a British child. Two adults were also hurt, according to French authorities. He was shot, then arrested. He's 31, was given refugee status in Sweden. As I did say, I'm reading from the BBC now, no evidence of a terrorist motivation, according to French authorities. And a former Liverpool player, uh, a chap called Anthony Letalic, witnessed it. He witnessed the attack on an older man before... The young man was shot by the police. It's pretty mad stuff. Who knows? Uh, The video is a little bit bizarre. I might need a swallow of water. Hang on. I normally drink a gallon of water before coming on to wet my whistle, as it were. Give us a second there. That's lovely. Talk amongst yourselves, as it were. 
Now, Ukraine and Russia have continued to accuse each other of being responsible for the breach at the Kakovka Dam. Okay, today, Ukraine and Russia have accused each other of shelling people who are being evacuated from Kherson, where the uh, dam is, or near enough to where the dam is. Rescue efforts continue after the breach, which flooded 30 communities along the Dnipro River. That's according to a Ukrainian minister. So they blamed each other for the breach of the dam. Now they are blaming each other for shelling people who are being evacuated from the flood-hit areas. Who knows? Again. Again. I am damned if I know. If you have any insight into what's really going on here, please share it with me via the Richie Allen Show app or via the website richieallen.co.uk because I'm absolutely stumped. I really am. Five minutes past the hour. Now, Migration Watch UK, which is headed up by a guy called Alp Mehmet, is predicting that if migration numbers do not fall, and if net migration stays as it is now, by 2046, the population of the UK will be over 80 million, right? That's a sobering number, isn't it? Over 80 million. It's around about 67 million now, round about that, maybe a little higher. If we don't work on limiting migration, and if net migration stays as it is now, and it might even increase... By 2046, 80 million in the UK. More than. Now, the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, has been talking to the radio about this. He told Times Radio, don't worry about that. And then he said asylum seekers should be permitted to work before their case is decided in the UK. Sadiq Khan, Mayor of London, on Times Radio today. By fast-tracking asylum cases, these people who uh, are genuine refugees can be uh, allowed to work and so forth. And I think the government should seriously consider if there's going to be a backlog for the foreseeable future, allowing those asylum seekers with skills who want to work to be able to work. Because what they don't want to do when you speak to asylum seekers and listen to them, aside from them telling you their horrible stories, is many of them uh, want to work and want to contribute and not be a burden on society or the taxpayer. The numbers of people currently waiting for their claims to process is north of 122,000. Ten years ago, it was only 12,000. So we know there's a massive uh, backlog. What the government could also be doing, as well as addressing the backlog, is to give funding to local authorities and partners to enable those who are asylum seekers to be housed within communities where there is support rather than offshore accommodation. Yeah, allow them to work while they're waiting to hear the outcome of their application for asylum, give money to local authorities so that local authorities can, I don't know, whether whether local authorities will commandeer, will take possession of buildings and convert them into hospitality and hotels for these asylum seekers. He's full of great ideas that he can, isn't he? Um, Zub, while you've been talking there, somebody just texted in saying, barges nimby spare me. Isn't this the, the, the case that wherever, the, you know, we have got this big problem. If the government came to you and said, we're going to take over half the hotels in London, you wouldn't like that either. Isn't it just the case that you you think there's a massive problem, but you just don't want it on your doorstep? Yeah, NIMBY, NIMBY is an acronym, not in my backyard, it means. He's accused Khan of wanting to put asylum seekers everywhere except in London. Can I be quite clear? Or, or except on barges on the Thames. That's, that's it. He asked him about barges on the Thames. Opposite of NIMBY, I'm somebody who's the mayor of the most diverse city in the world, who's proud. The most diverse city in the world. 
of our record of welcoming asylum seekers and uh, refugees. Shortly, you'll be having on the brilliant Danny Finkelstein, who's written a book about his family's journey to uh, our country, and you will know the massive contribution that family's made to our country. Our most successful Olympian uh, is also somebody who is a refugee. The point I'm making is that we should be providing a safe haven in our city, but it shouldn't be offshore accommodation on a barge. We should be housing asylum seekers and refugees in a humane way, processing their claims uh, far, far quicker. So if they are given refugee status, they can contribute to our society as they want to do so. And by the way, you will know many of those who have come here you know, seeking asylum are themselves either doctors, they're scientists, uh, many but of them where, are interpreters. I suppose the question is, where do you put them? Because if it's in uh, houses, then people listening to this will say, well, I've been living in London for years and I can't get a house. If it's in hotels... Every hotel room taken out is a tourist who can't come to London and spend money instead. So if you are saying, yes, they should be, they could be housed in London, but not on a barge, where would you put them? What, what I would be doing is giving local authorities the finances and the support to be able to house them within their communities. Yeah, the, the answer is I haven't a clue, Mr. Presenter. I have no idea because I'm not really in charge. So let's give local authority, local authorities the money. Let's incentivize them by giving them the money and turn it over to them and they'll figure out where to house these people. Completely ignoring the question posed by the presenter on Times Radio, what about people living in London for years? This is not a colour thing. It isn't an ethnic thing. It's, he's quite right. London is a very diverse place. It has been for many, many, many years and it's no bad thing. So we're not talking about white Londoners. We're talking about Londoners of all colours and creeds. They can't get a house for love nor money. Do you really mean that? Let's give a pile of money to local authorities so that they can find places for asylum seekers to stay so that asylum seekers can keep coming into the country despite the country not having the resources to deal with that. It is all very silly, isn't it? Uh, your thoughts, of course, to the Richie Allen Show app, please. You can message the studio direct. Please do that. Ian says, the dam was bombed by E.T. and his alien entourage. Might have been. James Dinsdale says, Sadiq Khan, one of the many enemies to our country. He's only a puppet, James, maybe. Hi to Kean, hi to Jackie. Hello, Jackie. Hi to Andy Fall. Hi, Andy. Thank you for your message. He's gone back into the Podomatic archive and has been listening to the March 2020 programmes for a live take on the madness that was going on around us. So he's been listening back to this programme as I broadcasted back in March 2020. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, Andy, but thank you for that. I really appreciate this. And somebody says to me, did you hear of Colonel McGregor? No, I haven't, but maybe you might send me a link. On the French attack or the attack on children, Coco asks, why did they call him a suspect in the article? He was a perpetrator. We saw him do it on a video. Get it right, media, says Coco. Thank you, Coco. Michael says, Richie, I often wonder if they are letting men in to send them to the front line. Michael, I don't know. And by the way, dear listener, if you're a brand new if you're a recent convert to this programme and you hear me talking about immigration, you might incorrectly make an assumption that my politics are conservative or on the right or, or the right of centre couldn't be further from the truth. Not at all. If I had any politics at all, if I had, it would be categorised as the left or maybe even the extreme left, but not 
the extreme left as as you know it today. The old school left. I have no problems with people coming into the country when they're f- fleeing persecution. I used to speak for people who came into countries fleeing persecution. I believe every country has a responsibility to help people who are fleeing gen- genuine persecution. They must help. You must provide a safe haven for people fleeing despots and wars. The problem is, though... Quite often when you peel back the band-aid, when you look at the wars, you'll see the filthy hands of MI6, won't you? The French intelligence agencies, won't you? The German intelligence agencies, the American intelligence agencies, and yes, by God, the Israeli intelligence agencies as well. So you've got people coming into the UK looking for refuge and asylum from war zones that have been created with the help oftentimes, most oftentimes, by the intelligence agencies and the deep states of our Western so-called democracies. These are things, you see, that are real. It's 13 minutes past five. It's your Richie Allen show. I'd like to hear from you. Dr. Ahmad Malik will be on the programme soon. Isn't he a top man? He's recently launched a podcast. We'll talk about that. It looks pretty sexy, it must be said. So it does, where he'll be speaking to people who have um, solutions. We like solutions. Hi to Kelly who asks, what is Sadiq Khan on? I was at the bus stop chatting to a black person who said that he or she is a surgeon, uh, is a surgeon who lives on my road, and I was telling him how the Romanian decorator tried to break in, how a Romanian decorator tried to break into my flat, and an elderly black lady joined in the conversation and had a good old rant about the migration problem, saying that we will implode. Some people have lost common sense, says Kelly. Faisal says, why house them in overpriced London when there are many cheaper places? Fair enough. Conan asks, why would we not want refugees? We've seen in France, once again, how they enrich our Western cultures with their culture. That's Colin's take, but you can't take one incident in France at the lakeside as distressing as it might seem and you cannot paint every refugee or every asylum seeker who made a claim for asylum you can't paint them with that that's the extreme isn't it I mean, that guy's from Syria originally. What happened in Syria again? Ah, yes, I seem to remember. Again, the intelligence agencies of the United States and Britain mostly armed, trained and funded Wahhabist head-chopping madmen. Oh, yes, they did. And sent them into Syria to burn, to maim and to destroy. Yes, that's what happened. So if one or two lunatics come out of Syria, I wonder where they came from. Colin says, Richie, Christian my arse. Can anyone tell me the last time a Christian attacked young children and babies like this? I don't think, Charlie, you'll have to look too far now to find an example of where somebody who was raised as a Christian committed a violent act against children or otherwise. Come on, give over. The idea that attacks against fellow man and fellow woman are exclusively the reserve of Muslims or people from countries that are predominantly Muslim is a little bit silly now isn't it? Uh, To me, the coverage of attacks like the one we saw in France often are a very big clue as to what's really going on. I'm pretty much satisfied that the guy is a bit of a madman who attempted to cut people and did cut people with a knife. But look at the coverage of it. I mean, 
it is newsworthy. I have to be honest about that. I'm not going to do any, I'm not going to bullshit you and say that the news media in the UK shouldn't cover it because it isn't relevant to the UK. No, I'm not going to do that. Yes, it is a story, but they dropped everything on Sky News Today and on BBC News 24 and gave blanket coverage of this for several hours with constant reruns of the video of the man. What is that about, dear listener? Shall I venture a guess? I don't think it's to scare the bejesus out of the viewer in the moment. No, I don't think so. I don't think the plan is to flash this stuff up on the screen so that we will be terrified while watching it. No, it's a tiny bit more complicated and I'm probably wrong because I'm often wrong. I would guess that they run this stuff when it happens, when it happens, right, over and over and over again and this is a guess now, no psychologist am I, so that maybe maybe sometime you're out and about doing your business and you see a gentleman who appears to be a gentleman of colour and you might imagine that he's from the Middle East or maybe Africa and you might imagine he's a Muslim and it triggers something in your brain and you're afraid of him and you're afeard of him and you're a bit reticent to get involved with him and you're a bit uneasy that's just my theory. Shoot it down by all means. 17 minutes past the hour. The Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live from BBG Towers here in Salford. Dr. Ahmad Malik will be on the programme really soon. I can't wait to catch up with him again. Grace Lee says, Richie, did you see my... I didn't, Grace, see your email, but I'll look for it later on. I've had a mental day. Thank you. Um, hi to Peter, who says, uh, thank you, Peter. Appreciate that. Hi to Chris Morell. You don't have to send me email, uh, messages through the app with compliments you don't have to do that thanks save the app messages for 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 comments on the content if you don't mind q25 emails now saying the content is shite fair enough you asked for it Paulie. you asked for it okie doke steve says it would help considerably if foreign aid by the west was used and implemented and monitored correctly if it helped the citizens and if it wasn't used to bribe despotic governments in said countries thank you steve let's do the next story then so the former tory peer lord ridley was on not talk radio today not talk radio, not talk radio. He was on, uh, He yes, he was on talk radio, excuse me. And he told talk radio that he is disgusted that the UK government ran a secret unit in 2020 to stalk and to discredit scientists who didn't tow the lockdown line. That department was run by Oliver Dowden, who's currently the Deputy Prime Minister. He inherited that job after Dominic Raab stepped away. Yes, the government set up a secret unit in 2020 to try and discredit scientists who didn't tow the lockdown line. In fact, one of those scientists, Professor Carl Hennigan, he's written about this in The Telegraph. If you are a subscriber to The Telegraph, you'll be able to read it. If not, you'll just have to take my word for it. Let's hear what Ridley had to tell Mike Graham on talk TV, whatever it's bloody called today. I think it's absolutely shocking. Um, I think we knew that some of this was going on, but the degree to which um, elected politicians who are supposed to be representing uh, the ordinary people uh, instead represented the interests of the civil servants, of the uh, uh, establishment uh, officials, uh, and said, what we want is to shut down debate, uh, uh, in, in, impose policies that we think are right, uh, and um, 
uh, attack people or suppress people who we don't think are right. Now, we knew during the pandemic that there were mistaken things being said from that podium in number 10 because we could tell within weeks that they were wrong. Now, that didn't mean that they were evil. It just meant that we ought to be able to challenge them. And at the end of 2021, when the scientists tried to push um, the UK government into a further lockdown over Christmas, if you remember, they came out with very strong predictions that there would be um, 6,000 deaths a day uh, in January if they didn't. Boris Johnson held his nerve against that. There wasn't a lockdown and there were nothing like, there wasn't even one twentieth as many deaths. So we had good examples of where um, you did need challenge, you did need debate, you did need to to, to hear both sides of the argument, and, and there was a strong attempt to prevent that happening. There certainly was a very strong attempt. In fact, it succeeded, didn't it? I mean, none of the legacy media broadcasters gave any time whatsoever to eminent men and women who said, please don't lock down, it's devastating. They gave no time to eminent scholars, scientists, virologists, epidemiologists who said, don't vaccinate during a pandemic. Don't do that. That's insane. You shouldn't do that. Now, am I speaking from a position of authority? Of course I'm not. I know nothing about any of this stuff. But I know that some very famous, I had them on this programme, very famous, um, scientists said, don't vaccinate during a pandemic. That's crazy. And even even more famous academics said, um, mRNA jabs, there's no long, long-term safety data you really are taking your life into your hands, taking one of these jabs. So what did the BBC, ITV, Channel 4, Sky, Fox, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, what did they do? RTE, Canal Plus, Canal 1, RTL 5 and all the channels around Europe. What did they do? They did what they were told and they banned scientists who said, this is dangerous. They must be very proud of themselves now. 22 minutes past five. Hi to Alexandra, who's looking forward to hearing Dr. Malik. Thank you. He's just checked in with me. I really appreciate it. Gabriel says the headline ought to be mentally deranged man who is collateral damage due to our interventions in Syria harms innocent people in France. The MSM thrives on violence, says Gabriel. Thank you, Gabriel. Good man. Hi to Luke. Thank you, Luke. Thanks for that. The content is shite, Paulie, says Luke. Thanks, Luke. I'm doing my best today. Bernie says, as a mother and grandma, I worry myself sick about the stuff that goes on. I'm always grateful to hear of people like Dr. Malik speaking up for us and helping to stop the madness. Bless him, says Bernie. Thank you, Bernie. And Darren B says, regarding the repetitive news coverage, it's simply a form of planting the seed subconsciously, causing those who choose to accept the mainstream media nonsense to have their actions and thoughts to be manipulated by those hiding behind the narratives being unleashed. Thank you. Gronia says, I'm, I'm going to go and represent myself in court on the 28th of June over an unpaid fine during the lockdown charade. I did nothing wrong, says Gronia. I'll not be handing over a penny to the crooks. Wish me luck, says Gronia. Get in there, Gronia. Get in there. And Kev says, exactly, Richie, another psyop. Why did the bollocks recording not help? That's a phenomenon, though, Kev. The fact that the guy recording didn't drop his phone and run to stop the knife the, the crazed man with the knife isn't any proof that the thing was staged I don't think it was staged necessarily I don't think so that's a phenomenon that I'd love to get into with somebody who knows more about the human mind than I do why people are just filming everything 
and not helping. We see it in other instances where people are being attacked and people just film it instead of stopping it, instead of getting involved where, where there are no weapons involved. You know, I, I've done this myself a few times, by the way. I was known for doing this when I was DJing at O'Shea's um, Irish Bar in Manchester. I used to finish up at half two. I used to go to Oxford Street to get a taxi. More than once I pulled a couple of Egypts apart who were knocking bells out of each other, pissed right up. I mean, the, the idea that I would have pulled out a phone and filmed it to put it on the internet, that's madness, right? I mean, somebody could get hurt, so just pull him apart. Go home, you clown. I'm a big guy, you see. I'm imposing. I'm imposing. I got away with it with my accent. I've done that more than once. Get home, you dickhead. What are you doing, you madman? But, um, yeah, these days they're inclined to pull out the phone, aren't they? Wonderful. James from Wigan, you're a, you're a good man, James. Thank you so much for your kind words. One quick little story before we get Dr. Malik on the programme. Miriam Cates, the Tory MP, her star is on the rise. Listen, whatever happens, right, between now and the next general election, the Labour Party is going to win at a landslide. I don't think the landslide will be as big or as impressive as Blair's win in 97, but I think Labour is going to win no matter what, right? And then I think the Conservative Party will be rebuilt around Miriam Cates. I really do. Remember I said it, I'm always wrong. Maybe this time I'll be right. Miriam Cates told Times Radio that wokeness or woke culture is making children ill. It's making them anxious and then they are becoming ill. Our young people now have a lack of hope uh, and they have a lack of hope for the future. And I think we can see this in the rising levels of anxiety and depression amongst young people and sadly even suicide. And I'm saying that one of the things that has contributed to a lack of hope, I think, in young people is these kind of critical social justice theories that are being taught in schools and universities, so climate catastrophism, critical race theory, gender ideology, that are very confusing to children and have kind of divorced them from the reality of what, what life is about and what where meaning comes from. And my personal opinion, and I completely accept there are many points of view on, on that, is that those theories, which in some, you know, in many kind of centre-right circles are known collectively as cultural Marxism, those theories are contributing to young people's lack of hope for the future. But I did not say that cultural Marxism is causing low birth rates. I just didn't say that. So you're not saying that wokeness is causing low birth rates? I'm saying that wokeness uh, is causing a lack of hope and anxiety in our young people and who knows what impact they, that may have on family formation in the future, but obviously we have no evidence of that now. But I'm saying that current low birth rates are a combination of economic, social and cultural conditions not being ideal for, for reproduction. Miriam Cates speaking to Times Radio, that's right, on... Um what is it, 27 minutes past the hour of five o'clock. Right, back with more. In fact, back, with, back even with Dr. Ahmad Malik after this from She and Him. This is good. Music from She and Him, that's Why Do You Let Me Stay Here on the Richie Allen Show, Thursday's programme, the 8th of June, 2023. Brilliant to be with you, by the way. If you'd like to leave a message for me to put to Dr. Ahmad Malik, please do so via the app. That's the app for the programme, the Richie Allen Show app. Or go to richieallen.co.uk and use the live comment tag to leave a live comment. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? That'd be cool. Let's get Ahmad back on the programme. By the way, I'm looking forward to chatting with him today. When we first spoke... 
um, it was back in March, right? We spoke because his story is a fascinating one. As I said, he's based in London and he's a consultant orthopaedic surgeon. And he began to hear from patients, from family members, from neighbours, people who believe that they may have been harmed by a COVID jab. And he began to question at the time why the regulatory body in this country, the MHRA, even the MHRA, and the government wasn't looking into this. Okay, he took to social media, he raised the alarm, he began conversing with other doctors and surgeons and physicians, and they began chatting about it. Colleagues recommended that he stop doing that, but he refused to his credit and didn't. And um, he's got a massive following on Twitter these days, and he recently launched a podcast which looks absolutely terrific. Let's welcome back to the programme Dr. Ahmad Malik. Ahmad, welcome back to the programme. How are you? I'm great. Um, it's great to be back. And I'd just like to say hello to all your listeners because they're, they're beautiful people. They left lots of messages on my Twitter account and, um, and they're following me now as well. And um, yeah, hello, hello. Hello, hello. You'll have more followers than Musk, the way things are going. I like that. Before, um, do you know what? Before we go any further, tell us about the podcast and where people can can get it i caught a little bit of it today i've lost my bloody notes now but you're interviewing a really interesting lady and it was about food where can people watch it so basically if you visit my website um docmalik.com d o c m a l i k.com um you you have links to spotify apple podcast rumble some of the stuff is too um let's just say sensitive to go on youtube so there'll just be little snippets on youtube you can actually listen from the website as well um but thanks for letting me do the plug in i keep forgetting i'm i'm just so crap at marketing and everything but anyway yeah, it's great. I'm having amazing conversations. Um, I've had someone on about regenerative farming. I've had someone on um, about food cooperatives. I've published not all of them yet. I've published a conversation with Professor Fenton about the COVID statistics and the illusions that you they were that were fabricated to to give this impression of you know this terrible pandemic. I've had um, Angus Dalgleish, the oncologist, professor oncologist from St. George's, talk about his U-turn from how he was writing pieces in the Daily Mail promoting the vaccines. And now he's like, no, no, we should be we should be cancelling and stopping this. So that was a very interesting conversation. But I've also had some, let's just say, very normal conversations with, you know, for example, running physio, um, someone about natural birthing. Um, this week, I've also spoken to Professor Thomas Seafried about the metabolic origin of cancer, and that'll be coming out next week. And, you know, for example, cancer, everybody's terrified of cancer. Cancer rates are going up through the roof. Do you not think it's a bit strange, all this money invested in cancer research, this big, massive business, and um, very poor return. If anything, cancer rates are going up. So that's a very interesting conversation. You know, what is actually driving cancer and is there anything we can do about it? Because it feels like there isn't when actually there is. I had a conversation last night with someone called Sasha Latipova, which was absolutely fascinating. Um, if no one's ever heard of her, she's a, an American R&D farmer executive who's, you know, in her past life. Um, and during COVID, she started looking back into the stuff. And what she has to say is absolutely a bombshell. And yeah, let's just say it left me speechless. That's going to be going live. 
Um, so that's the kind of stuff and I'm learning I'm learning from these conversations these honest conversations just like the way you're having conversations with me the more guests you have the more you learn from them and you know I think the future is alternative media we cannot trust the lovely brainwashing corporation called the BBC or any other of these media outlets and instead of raving and ranting at the TV and the new and the radio and shouting at it you know we just we have to either listen to the alternatives or create an alternative I and that's it. where the, my podcast came in. I was just so frustrated, you know. I love it. Doc Malik, D-O-C-M-A-L-I-K.com. For more on it, and as as Ahmad said, you'll get it on iTunes, you'll get it on Spotify and anywhere else, really, that you can get a podcast. Look, I didn't want to do this, but can we give 90 seconds to this? This really bugs me. And what bugs me more than anything is how listeners take this really personally, even though I don't know who they are. And most of them who talk about this, they don't use a real name. So I don't know why they get upset upset about it when they are when they are criticised. I'm I'm getting tired of these people, you know, banging on incessantly about the about not only that COVID never existed, but that viruses themselves don't exist. Now I've interviewed a couple of doctors about this who kind of believe in this terrain theory thing, and I've never censored anybody on this program. I've given a platform to everybody. But personal experience tells me that viruses are real, and this is just a waste of bloody time. Have you got a thought on that, Ahmad? That's a really good question. I'm kind of like in between the two, germ theory and terrain theory. I think it makes sense. It's a bit of two. I mean, like we've got bacteria all over our body, inside our body. We live with bacteria. And actually, if you didn't have any bacteria on your skin or in your gut, you'd be dead, right? We, yeah. we need them. So bacteria per se can't be all bad and you can't wage war you know this is you know waging war against you know drugs hasn't got anywhere you know this perpetual war on terrorism is bullshit and this war on germs is bullshit so this germ theory that you know you have to eradicate all these bacteria and sterilize and we have to find is just nonsense um, but at the same time, yeah, bacteria do exist, and I think viruses exist. And I think there's too much hoo-ha going on about, oh, the, there's no such thing as a virus, and it's never been isolated. Like, whatever you want to call it, genetic fragments, exosomes, you know, viruses, whatever, you know, something is definitely causing something. We might as well call it a virus. Um, and let's just leave it at that. And anybody who's just trying to say, oh, there's no such thing. And you're just confusing and muddying the water. You know, I'm not I'm not that fussed. I'm not, yeah. not that interested in Me that. What, what I'm interested in is the bigger picture. The yeah. bigger picture is the control, the tyranny, the author authoritarianism, robbing us of our rights, our privileges, you know, our sovereignty. That's what I'm interested in. And, you know, to get bogged down and start hurling Oh, you know, you're you're just you know controlled opposition. You're you're spreading the virus myth. Well, you know what? Just be quiet. I'm not interested in these Absolutely arguments. Absolutely right. Fights. I say to many of these people. My final word on this before I ask you about the big news of the week. I say to them, Ahmad, look, you've not done the the discipline. You've not gone to medical school. You've not uh, you, you you've not studied biology. You've not studied medicine. That's no barrier to knowledge. I'm not saying that, but it's in in my opinion, it's they've come to a conclusion. So when one or two doctors, whether they be in the UK, whether they be in America, when they say this, they jump onto it and they grab onto it. But they themselves, the you know the the tweeters and the Facebook people, they don't have any 
they have no training, they have no experience, no qualifications in this stuff, but they don't like hearing that either. Hey, listen, Johns Hopkins University comes out, one of the most respected medical schools in the world. And it says, come here and I tell you, it says, come here and I tell you. Uh, the COVID lockdown of 2020, if it saved 1,700 people's lives, that was a lot. It didn't do very much, the lockdown. In fact, it done an enormous amount of harm. Obviously, this is not news to you. But were you heartened when you saw this in the press this week? Yes. Can we just go back to what you said, though? Um, I love you, but I'm going to disagree with you slightly. Good man, disagree. So just, because someone, just because someone's been to medical school, I would argue means absolutely bugger all. Frankly, if anything, the last three years have shown us is that actually having a medical degree has been a disadvantage to you because basically it shows that you lack critical thinking. You have an you know, unquestioning obedience to authority. And, you know... I think, you know, questionable medical ethics, frankly. And just because you have a medical degree doesn't mean that you know all these things about viruses and biology. It means that you're very good at rote learning and passing exams, cramming it in. Um, And, you know, medicine is a very broad area. So you know a little bit about everything, but not very much about any particular thing. So, you know, experts aren't great either because they lack the bigger picture and they focus on minutiae. Um, so I'm not really keen on experts. I'm not in, I'm not keen on intellectuals because they know bugger all. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, citizens, can educate themselves and empower themselves. And I'm all for people researching. And actually, some of the, the best people I know now, citizen journalists, whatever, people who have investigated the scientific th- th- um, data, you know, they've done because of uh, their own intellectual background. They might have an in, 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 uh, in you know, a degree in actuary, they might have a degree engineering background or scientific background. That's enough to qualify, you know, you know, just common sense, analytical skills. Just having a medical degree, it doesn't mean that you've got the monopoly on science and an authority and you're the final say. That's Sorry, a very, that's my personal opinion. It's, anyway, a, now, it's a very good point. Can I just say, that, that, 10 seconds on that, 10 seconds yes. on that. Of course, everything you've said there is absolutely right. I would count, not counter that. I would add to that, though. You know, a bloke on Twitter who says the virus is never isolated. Um, I would ask that bloke as a journalist, how do you isolate a virus? Game over. <laughs> right? Game over. That's the thing that bugs me, but I'm not getting... But everything you said, I totally agree with. You're 100% right. So, you John... You know what the difference is? I don't, I, I don't think I... I just don't engage with people. Yeah. I'm not interested. Yeah. When people... You know, I'll be honest with you, I don't like blocking people. But when, when people say something really foul and offensive and insulting and just mean... I block them if I see it. And anyone else who just says something stupid, I just ignore it. Like, I don't have time. I don't have time to engage with these people. You've got nothing better to do. They want to just mouth off. Let them. I don't care. And I think that's the simplest way. Let people just say what they want to say. It's no big deal. Anyway, moving on to the whole lockdown thing. Yeah, definitely it was validating to see, you know, um, I'm not the person that you need to come to, by the way, for breaking news. The reality is I don't watch mainstream media and I get snippets coming through from what people send me and the WhatsApp groups and the signal groups I'm on and stuff that will filter through through Twitter. So, yes, I saw the, the, the Telegraph said something about the lockdowns and it was there was, you know, no money. Uh, you know, there was no, uh, there was nothing saved. It was, it was completely worthless, um, and it was a very expensive adventure, um, that cost us a lot of money for very little gain. Um, and to be honest, 
it's nothing new. We kind of knew this. You know, the government has its pandemic um, guidelines, which has had for years. And in every single year, they've said, yeah, lockdowns don't work. We shouldn't do it. And but now the only real remarkable piece of news is why is it in 2020 um, when they knew that lockdowns didn't work, they knew this for a long time, they, they instituted it. And I'm sure I've seen a, a lecture by Chris Whitty pre-pandemic talking about how lockdowns don't work. And then suddenly we've got lockdowns. So the shocker and you know, isn't, oh, look, lockdowns didn't work. It's why the hell did they ever do it when, we, when we've always known they wouldn't work and they don't work? Um, but look, I've moved on even further. While I am in no illusion that there was something floating around, I don't know what it was, I don't know if it was flu rebranded or some coronavirus or whatever, I just don't know. Look, something was floating around. But what I do know is it wasn't this Deadly desperately scary, yeah. high mortality pandemic that justified the global response that we saw, this lockstep measures across the world. Nothing that I've seen, none of the evidence pro proves that we should have done anything. It was no more fatal than a flu season. You know, we should have just done normal medical practice, treat patients the best we can, hydrate them, give them antibiotics, give them antibiotics for the secondary post, you know, bacterial, post-viral bacterial pneumonia, you know, support these individuals, give them vitamin D, give them zinc, you know, and it would have been fine. We didn't need lockdowns. We didn't need social distancing. We didn't need to close down schools. We didn't need to close down small businesses. We didn't need to furlough. We didn't need to work from home. We didn't need to mask up. We didn't need... Um, vaccines. We didn't need any of this. So the, the question is, what the hell was this all for? And in the dead of night, right? Oh, do you? In the dead, yeah, in the dead of night, when you wake up and you've got things on your mind, you've got a surgery to do that day. You're shaving, maybe you've got a few minutes. You've got the coffee on the boil, and you think about that, and you think about what happened, and then the obvious question you've just phrased it is, is um, why? Um, why? Why then? Why? I, I mean, I've had every manner of man and woman on this program in the last three years who have ventured guesses or offered opinions about why this has happened. For, you know, from changing society, from um, moving to a more uh, technocratic society, to a more controlled society. People have told me that what is happening now is running in conjunction with cashless society agendas and other agendas. What do you feel? I mean, Occam's razor. What's the best guess as to why we're we're seeing the the tyranny we're seeing now? I I don't know. And look, before I say anything, I need to remind. <laughs> I need to tell you, Sally Beck says hi oh, and Sally, sends her love. The wonderful Sally Beck, yes, regular guest on this program. Thank yeah, you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I, the, I, the I, I don't want to drag. So. She's brilliant. I don't want to drag you down rabbit holes. That wasn't the point of the question, but. Um, the, the the fear I think my no no listen, no I know yeah. I know this listen listen I'm I'm going to answer it I'm not going to shy away from it look I have absolutely no idea I've no idea because I I I never I never did this I never started it I never thought of it so I don't really know the minds of the people who who did do this why they did it and there's lots of theories and I've also interviewed people now and they have their theories so all I can do is tell you what I have heard um and the ideas that have been you know spread out to explain the madness 
and the of the dystopian three COVID debacle years. So what I've heard is that it's multifactorial. It's, you know, money is a big driver, not just money in making profit for pharmaceutical companies, but because our money system is fundamentally um on a cliff edge, you know, it's a Ponzi scheme. It's the Fiat Ponzi scheme. It's coming to an end. There's a massive pension debt, you know, that can't be paid off. Um, there's, you know, there's there's too much debt around in the system. Um, it's all going to fall apart. It, it, the the deck needs to be cleared. The only way to do that is basically a war to get rid the currency and introduce it to digital currency or you know kill off lots of people and get rid of your pension you know liabilities and stuff like that so there's all this kind of stuff so money's a big driver not just profit for pharmaceutical companies then the next thing is you know people in power like to consolidate power and when you have war and emergencies and crises you can consolidate more power and control um, these people have a lot of money and they have a lot of power, but they just want more power and more control. Um, so there's that element to it. And then there's other element of incompetence. Then there's an element of, you know, structures and systems like, you know, the Soviet style NHS or the governments, you know, they, they just feed on each other, they feed and get bigger and grow. They're gluttonous organizations that just want to promote themselves and and they will do things that will just empower themselves they'll get bigger and their budgets will get bloated and they'll employ employ more people and so it kind of goes only in one direction so you get more and more centralization corruption nepotism inefficiency it just goes you know it's just that one direction that everything's leading to so you know it's it's multi it's multifactorial there's lots of things and i think a lot of the kind of makes sense do i know why it happened i have no idea all i do know is medical ethics went out the window common sense went out the window our economy was trashed we forgot what it meant to practice medicine properly um doctors lacked cr critical thinking fear was weaponized censorship was rampant our politicians are puppets and um yeah i i don't know this the horizon looks a little bit i don't know dark and, and this week know? this week we we learned again of something we knew already existed we learned that oliver dowden who currently sits as the deputy deputy prime minister of this country he headed up a secret government unit. That's the words used in the messages that have been handed to the Telegraph. Secret government unit that was charged with going after people like you to suppress you and what you were saying, Hennigan at Oxford, Gupta at Oxford and others. That um, was described by Jacob Rees-Mogg when this emerged. And I think Mogg must have known. Mogg must have known this was going on back in 2020. It's farcical for him to, to, to act like he didn't know it was happening. But for, for a country that describes itself as a liberal democracy, even though it's a constitutional monarchy, to be putting together a secret government unit to go after qualified men and women to to limit their scope and their reach and to shut them down. Mogg said it's like China. How do you feel when you hear about that? I mean, you you knew it was going on anyway. 
Well, you know what? What can I say? I love a, a little bit of a secret society. Love it. Love a bit of a <laughs> funny handshake. Um, no, I mean, it's just, I, you know, I, I, I really abhor secret societies. I think, you know, nothing should be secret. If, if it's secret, what are you hiding? You know, it's as simple as that. And um, it's because you can upset people. It's because you're doing something that you're not happy to admit to. Um, it's well dodgy, frankly. You know, I don't like it. Um, so secret societies, secret meetings, secret groups, not a good thing to have. Am I surprised? Not at all. Um, look, your listeners should really listen to my podcast with Ben Habib um, about the Brexit years. You might be thinking, well, what the hell's Brexit got to do with what I've just said to you? Everything. Because what you realize is politics in this country is a sham. It's an illusion that's given to the populace that they actually have a choice and a say. They don't. They don't. There's a uniparty system and the, the public is given this illusion that they're picking sides and Labour and Tory, but they're not. It's just colours. They're just picking a different team, but the team, the players, the manager, everyone pulling the strings behind the scene is the same. And listen to that podcast, Ben Habib, Brexit Years. Okay, you realize how corrupt the system is and frankly, how all of our politicians are either compromised or captured. And these were the words of Andrew Bidgen. I also interviewed him. His podcast is going to come out soon. And he made it clear. He said, Ahmed, every one of the politicians is either compromised or captured. He talked, And it was quite scary. He it, talked about how pedophilia is ramp. Did he expand All on this? All the way this? to the top. You, what I would ask him, right, I, 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 what I would ask Bridgen, but he refused um, to come on this programme, what I would ask Bridgen is why hadn't he spoken out about rampant paedophilia before he was kicked out of the Conservative Party? That's a fair question, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. I think that's a very fair question. I think, you know what, I think he's a, he's a typical politician. He's just doing his own, you know, he's serving his own interests. I mean, all politicians I've met are self-serving, self-promoting. Yeah. You know, do you not think so? I agree with you. And, you ever, and, you ever, and Bridgen is right. I believe Bridgen to be right. I believe not just in the UK, but in Ireland, in France, in Germany, Brussels, of course, these people are puppets. They are put there by other interest groups, whether it be um, NGOs, 100%. think tanks. 100% right. And I mean, look, these, we've known this I for mean, years. Look, look at these politicians. None of, these politicians aren't particularly smart or bright. No. They're narcissistic. <laughs> they're they're greedy, true. right? I mean, like, none of them have really... I mean, I mean, look, I mean, none of them look even normal human beings that you'd want to have sit down and have a chat with. They're not particularly interesting. They're not particularly funny. They don't have a personality. They can't speak or give a speech without a script. You know, I mean, these are not people that I would want running a bloody, you know, secondhand car shop, never mind a country. You know, they're they're just, they're, they're sad individuals. These are people who are easily manipulated, who are good at taking orders and are actors. That's we, what they are. And yeah. unfortunately, they're not patriots either. We need, we need people who are genuinely patriots. Now, where I'm struggling is thinking, how do we get out of this mess? Because I think the political system has failed. I don't see any party coming into place that's going to challenge what's going on. I think the media, and the media holds so much power, and the media is controlled. So 
the media tells people what to do and the people believe it. So that's why I don't listen to the news and I don't read the newspaper. And I'd urge all your listeners, even if you're still dipping in and out, don't just, you know what, honestly, just don't, don't even bother. Yeah, the world's just better. Just listen to Richie Allen. The world's a better place, yeah, and go isn't to it? my podcast. And go to, <laughs> go to docmalik.com, absolutely. You're listening to Dr. Ahmad Malik. He is a consultant orthopaedic surgeon based in London, experienced, um, had the courage, had the bottle to speak out when he learned about vaccine injuries. He was told to shut up about it, and he said, well, we'll see about that, and he didn't shut up about it, and it's great to have him back on the programme. So what, what, what we loved about listening to you last time you were on was talking about health and how to make improvements in your health day to day and you did an amazing job of that so there's another massive story this week and that is that the NHS mm. the NHS plans to give 12 million overweight people in this country a jab that will help them lose weight I imagine when you hear stuff like that you scream louder than any banshee has ever screamed in Scotland or in Ireland uh, in, in, in history a jab to help you lose weight go ahead it's insane is it yeah I, like, I don't know whether to laugh scream or cry maybe all three but yeah banshee wailing banshee <laughs> um, oh look Oh, again, look, it's the people. I, I'm telling you, and at the expense, Richie, of upsetting some of your your listeners, it's us that are at fault. You know, we're a bunch of bloody, fat, stupid, lazy people, right? We have abdicated our personal responsibility to, to people who don't care about us. We don't take the steps necessary to stay healthy. We have shitty lifestyles. And then we want a quick, easy fix. And we don't want to do the hard work. And if 95% of the problems are created by bad lifestyle, but guess what? The solution is proper lifestyle choices and not an injection. You know, so anyone who's even thinking about an injection should think about, okay, fine. What is this injection? What is the risk? What are my side effects? What happens if I stop taking an injection? How many injections do I need? What's the chance of me putting them on the fat again or whatever? And, you know, there is a cost. Everything comes at a cost. What is the cost of this injection? Now, of course, the NHS is going to do it because some big pharma is going to profit from it, aren't they? Yeah, billions. That's what's going to happen. Billions. And it, yeah. And it's going to be easier to, like, just inject away 12 million people than rather institute the proper healthy lifestyle choices. You know, and, and you know, I, I, you know, I did a tweet recently and I, you know, put a plate of meat on my um, a steak on my plate and said, look, this is my meal for the day. And someone said, oh, you know, it's easy for you eating that expensive plate, uh, you know, for your meal. And a lot of us can't afford it. And I, and I, I was like, yeah, this is six pounds of meat on my plate. And that's my meal for the day. Six pounds. And I can tell you right now, you know, if you go to McDonald's and you have three meals a day. You have coffee and Starbucks and a this and a that. It's a hell of a lot more than six pounds. Absolutely. 100%. So it's, it's about how you spend your money. It's where you spend your money. It's about, you know, are you, you know, are you, you, you know, are you getting a cherry vape and watching TikTok videos? You know, yeah, don't be surprised if your testosterone goes down, lads, if you're doing that. You know, if you're drinking your Diet Coke, your cherry vape watching TikTok videos and eating a, you know, a drive-through burger. I mean, come on, what the hell's happened to us? You know, 
we've we've lost our way as human beings as you know we 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 didn't evolve if you'd believe in evolve you know but what i'm trying to say is we didn't we we're not designed to be watching TikTok videos and sitting in a car or, or at a desk all day and eating junk food. We were meant to be running and hunting and foraging and out in nature and using our muscles and being lean and fasting most of the time and then feasting when we get something to eat. And um, we need to return to that kind of um, model. I mean, I'm not saying literally go out and hunt something, but, you know, yeah. we have to have discipline. Why not? Why not? I, I lived in Ballybeg, a council estate in Waterford, and there's a very large council, council estate, but we were at the edge of Waterford, so we, we were at the edge of the countryside. And I can tell you, this is in the very early 1980s, some of our neighbours, they had a shotgun licence, and they would go and shoot rabbit. They would go and, and get their food, and that's Love not it. that long ago. I can't imagine anybody doing that around Salford now. But um, but that's right, yeah, that, that that's brilliant. But um, you hit the nail on the head. Somebody, some company somewhere is going to make a killing on this. Billions. And when we say a killing, Ahmad, a Dr. Malik, I should say, we, we, we've got to factor in the possibility that their obesity jab might come with side effects and it might cause harms, right? There is that possibility. Yeah, 100%. There's no such thing as 100% safe and effective. That's nonsense, by the way. Everything, every decision you choose to make comes with its potential risks and complications. And people need to understand that. And don't take the short-term, quick, easy fix at the potential long-term risk, is what I would say. Dr. Ahmad Malik is live on the programme. His own Twitter account is DocDOC Ahmad Malik, A-H-M-A-D-M-A-L-I-K. DocMalik.com is where you'll find all the links to all the podcasts. Loads and loads of comments here. I'm just going to read just a quick couple for you so because Richie, there's Richie, so many. Go ahead. Richard, can I quickly answer something? Yeah, so do. I've, looked, I've just Googled quickly. What are the side effects of obesity injections? I mean, so I don't know which one they're going to be rolling out, but, you know, so here we go. We we have we have nausea, diarrhea, constipation, vomiting, injection site reaction, low blood sugar, headache, tiredness, dizziness, stomach pain, change in your enzyme lipase levels, to name some of them. Yeah. Now, does that sound good? No, it doesn't. No. <laughs> but thankfully, <laughs> I'm not as healthy as you. But thankfully, I run five miles seven days a week. I'm told not to do that, um, but it it keeps me in good form and it keeps me in impeccable shape, Doctor Malik. So I'm going to continue to do it because I enjoy it. Let me read a couple of messages. So I, they're loving this. Uh, I can tell you now to the app. I've got my own app since we last spoke. By the way, the Richie Allen Show app, sexy app. I've got. It's wonderful. Ooh. Yeah, you've got to get your yeah. own app. You know, it's going to be a game of one-upmanship between me and you now to the end of time right I've got a TV studio you've got a TV studio I've got an app you don't have an app Simon says allopathic medicine in his opinion is poisoned by chemicals naturopathic medicine is from nature it works you touched on this let me ask you a quick question and three or four listeners have asked me to put this to you do you believe from what you've read over the years that aspartame the artificial sweetener because I've heard this coming out of America, various studies, is a carcinogen and should be avoided at all costs. That's a bit unfair to ask you that, but is it a carcinogen? Are people drinking Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi? Are they risking cancer? Um, so basically, look, I don't know it's the honest truth, but I have heard that there's an association of potentially increased risk. I mean, we're not... 
Yeah, I mean, like like 1.15 times the risk or 1.2 times increased risk. So, you know, is it that or is it the fact that if people who are eating something with a sweetener, like a Diet Coke, are also eating a burger, you know, or, you know, yeah. or less or also more sedentary? You know, it's a bit more complicated. What So the other thing as well, these sweeteners will, I think, cause artificial increase in your insulin levels because, you know, it's a sweetener. So anything sweet will spike your insulin. Hyperinsulinemia is associated with cancer. So if you listen to my podcast next week, you'll see what I mean by that. So is it per se the chemical or is it the effect the chemical is having on other bodily functions or the association with other things such as diet, lifestyle, etc.? But yes, I wouldn't want to take any sweetener and the way I live my life, I don't have that kind of stuff. Now, going back to the allopathic thing, look, we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Like there are some things that really work. Antibiotics are great. You know, antibiotics are great. Painkillers, short term, you know, a day or two are great. You know, anesthesia to allow us to do operations. You know, I've had six operations and I'm really grateful I've had every single one. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things that do work, but things like, you know, take this blood pressure medication instead of losing weight and exercising, no. Um, you know, take the statin, no. You know, so take this vaccine, no. So there are some things I do think are good in allopathic medicine, but I think a lot of it has been hijacked and a lot of it is not good. Yeah, it's good. It's a good so, point that, and a number so, of a number of female listeners have just sent messages through the app saying that sometimes period pain can be so bad and so, um, you know, upsetting that there's nothing wrong with a, you know, a dose of painkillers for a day or two. Amazing that stuff is coming in. Isabel asks this: What does Doctor Ahmad think? about this more and more people are complaining and it is making the press it is making the press i know you don't read it about a shortage of medicines and the closure of more and more pharmacies isn't that an interesting phenomenon like we know how powerful the pharmaceutical lobby is and you would imagine that pharmaceutical giants would want the high streets packed out with more and more pharmacies but i think isabel is right pharmacies are closing more and more, and there are people complaining about medicine shortage. What do you make of that, if anything? So I, I didn't notice this. It's really, really interesting. What I have noticed is um, there's no more banks on the high street. Yeah. Everything's closing down. Not even just that ATMs are closing down. I can't find any cash points anywhere. Everything's shut down. I drive by and suddenly the bank's closed and it's like boarded up. I'm like, what? what? When did this happen? Um, so banks have just disappeared. And, you know, I went to the supermarket. I was amazed at how many shelves were empty. You know, I couldn't find like basic stuff. So when you say pharmacies are closing and drugs, I'm, I'm not surprised um, because it fits with everything else I'm seeing. And, you know, but everything's falling apart. Like yeah. there are potholes in every freaking road. Yeah. Like, look, going back to the 1980s when my parents took me to Pakistan for the first time, I was born in Scotland. And, you know, they're like, they went, look, we're going to take you to where we were born. And the first thing that hit me was, Jesus, these, they're freaking holes the size of a car in the road. You have to like go around them. There these, I was shocked, you know, we never had holes in the roads in Glasgow, even in the poor area that I grew up in. Whereas now, you know, I live in leafy Buckinghamshire, very nice 
part of the world, there's massive creators everywhere. You know, I can't go anywhere now without a creator. And it just makes me wonder what is happening. Banks are closing, cash points are disappearing, short supermarkets are empty, you know, holes in the road. Now you're telling pharmacies are closed. Now, is the economy just really bad? I mean, is, you know, inflation is a lot more than what I think the government's telling us. You know, are they deliberately driving things down? Is is this a good, what is happening? I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not surprised. I would I would venture a guess, and that is that. I look. I look back at the the reaction to COVID, and I see it as as kind of a jigsaw. Like there there is, I believe, and I've believed this for years. I've been doing this type of show since I left the mainstream media. I've been doing this type of show now for a long, long time. So long before COVID, I've been speaking to academics who've talked about a desire on the part of oligarchs and globalists to create a very dystopian society where everything we do is monitored morning, noon and night and we are restricted. And in the future, we will have a social credit system where we we will be judged on what we say and what we do and what we say and what we do will either give us access to things or not. And I, I see what you're saying is part of all that. Yeah. But you, you and me are going to be totally screwed then. Screwed, absolutely, yeah. And you know, I, I, I mentioned um, when they locked down in March 2020, I'm, I, I'm genuinely not an egotistical bloke. I'm a fairly level-headed fella, right? I'm pretty sure that I'm the first mm. person ever in the world to mention climate lockdowns. Now, this has been credited to me. I mentioned this back mm. in March of 2020. In fact, Sky News ran a hit piece on this radio show because I mentioned climate lockdowns. I've believed for a long time that they're going to, to restrict people's movement, not just their flying around, but their driving around, even their cycling. Don't laugh at that, right? In the future, based on... You're going to love this. Yeah, go ahead. Listen, you're you're 100% right, and you're going to love this. You need to listen to my podcast with Professor Norman Fenton, and he talks all about this. And what's really incredible is there's this, there's this collusion between Marxist professional academic type people, um, really, and they are Marxists, with the plutocrat, multi-billionaire, oligarchs, bankers and you know these ultra ultra capitalist mercantile people and and so-called egalitarian marxists who may be defending the working class but they're colluding against the working and middle class they want they want us all to have nothing and be happy now listen you know the that that is simply communism communism is you have nothing and you'll be happy yeah. And, and you know, that's a difficult one to sell. I mean, imagine saying to everyone, listen, by 2030, you're going to be living in a communist country. I think most people would be like, the hell we are. But let's just change that to by 2030, you'll own nothing and be happy. And it's like, you're just going to swallow it now. And honestly, that's what you're looking at now. You, you've got all these Marxists who genuinely believe, these middle-class people, these people who watch the BBC and love David Attenborough, think the polar bears are dying, all right? The planet is dying. Human beings are a parasite. There's too many of us. There should be less of us. 
So, you know, I mean, just think about how anti-human that is. There has to be less human beings. We're parasitical. We need to get rid of all these human beings. It's going to be better for the environment. And they're the ones who love the lockdowns. Oh, look, the, the, the air is cleaner. The nature is coming back to life. Lock up all these dirty human beings in their homes, you know, and then lock up all the small businesses. Oh, the big businesses will profit. You know, you can still go and eat in McDonald's and go to your independent restaurant. I mean, where does that make sense? So, you know, you've got this weird collusion. And the next thing will be to save the planet for the climate change. We need lockdowns. We need to restrict your meat intake. You can't travel out of 15 minutes. And basically, you're creating ghettos. You're herding everyone into the cities. And that's where you're going to be monitored. You're going to be watched. You're going to, you know, you're going to be controlled. And guess what? Do you think the countryside and do you think beef will be denied to certain other people? Of course not. Not a you chance. Know, they're going to have not everything to themselves. So, you know, we are entering this really weird dystopian future. And unless people wake up and resist and look, I would say the best form is mass disobedience and protest Agreed. and non-compliance. So a lot of people think that a trucker convoy thing didn't work in Canada. Yes, it did. It really did, by the way. Trudeau ultimately had to back down after a week. You know, all the all the lockdown measures and mandates, they were they kind of like, they were lifted. Well, a lot of things were lifted, not everything. But, you know, th that was a scary moment for the government. They were like, holy moly, we need to defuse this urgently. It terrified them. And, and simply put, People need to do that. If you haven't ever marched or you've never been into London and protested, you know what? Now's now's the time. It's never too late. Get on the streets, protest, become an activist, and disobey. Because if you don't, and disobey, yeah. and if you don't, before you know it, it'll be too late. I have one question for you. That's before I it's brilliant. I agree. Non-violent civil disobedience is the way forward. Um, we've only got you for another few minutes. You've got to, to rush off. It's been brilliant. It's flown by. Final question then on something different. Uh, when I worked in nightclubs, Thursday was always ladies' night, so we'll go with a ladies' question. In fact, there's been three or four questions on HRT. So Devi says, could you ask Dr. Malik what he thinks of the push to get us all middle-aged women on HRT. I decline, says Debbie. Now, just before you answer that, a friend of mine, more than one friend of mine, has undergone HRT therapy and they have found it a lifesaver. But what about Debbie's question? There's a push to get us all on HRT. She declined. What do you reckon? Um, I, I still need to learn about this. So, I'm going to hold back. Yeah. So I don't think anyone be should be pushed for anything. I don't think there's a one-size-fit rule to everybody. Um, I'm naturally quite apprehensive about taking any medication, even supplements. I'm kind of like careful now with what I take. I want to take the, the best diet. I want to optimize my sleep, my health, my stress levels. I don't want to take drugs. I had a very low testosterone five years ago. Um, I managed to reverse it and really get it to a high level through natural methods. Now, menopause is different and there are changes taking place. One could argue this is a natural aging phenomenon and physiological changes. Um, but some would argue, but it does put you at higher risks and you can get run into trouble. HRT isn't without its risks and complications and side effects. You need to study it. You need to speak to a specialist and you need guidance. I mean, I'm actually having a, a guest on at the end of the month, to, <laughs> don't laugh, to talk about the menopausal vagina. <laughs> 
right? I'm yeah. going to ask her about all the HRT stuff because she, she's going to be up to date about She'll that know. stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's kind of thing. I'm going to be having some very interesting conversations. And part of being, you know, you know, this podcast host is I don't have the answers and I'm going to have these honest conversations. My podcast is actually called Doc Malik, Honest Health. I'm going to have honest conversations. I'm going to say, look, tell me, what, you know, inform me, educate me. I, I don't know what the right answer is or not. And I'm not a woman. Um, so I, I'm going to be very interested to hear what she has to say about that topic. Great to have you back today. DocMalik.com. Follow um, Ahmad on Twitter. It's Doc Ahmad Malik on Twitter. Great to have you on. All the success in the world to the podcast. Um, it looks great what I've seen of it. So well done, Ahmad. And thanks for your time today. It's greatly appreciated. Listen, it's my pleasure. And um, I look forward to having you on my podcast soon. I think it's in a few weeks' time. That's right, I can't wait. Look after yourself, Godspeed. Thanks, Ahmad. Bye for now. Dr. Ahmad Malik on Thursday's Richie Allen Show. The time is coming up for 13 and a half minutes past six o'clock. There have been many messages on these subjects. I promise I'll read them. But before I do that, I'm going to share something, but I'm going to be brief in sharing it, that I shared on the Sunday programme last Sunday, which doesn't have the audience or the, the, the listener numbers that this programme has. So many, many listeners or the majority of listeners won't have heard what I had to say. I'll share it very quickly. The reason I'm doing that is because I was asked to do it. I'd forgotten. I was going to mention it during the week. I'd forgotten to do it. Look, I've had a couple of very serious um, lung illnesses or chest illnesses in in recent years, right? Um, one in January of 2020 another one in late 2020 and another one just this Christmas gone very, very bad, like seriously bad. Not man flu, not hypochondria, tough, really, really bad, right? Um, the one in 2020 and the one over Christmas this year, I thought I was a goner, right? Anyway, long story short, um, had an x-ray and they came back to me and they said, right, we've had a look at your x-ray, we don't like it. They they, they um, gave me a letter uh, to take to a private uh, clinic because they couldn't get me a scan, a CT scan, within the time that I wanted it because of the mess that the NHS is currently in. You and me and everybody we know have been paying national insurance for years. Now you need the NHS and it's not there. Or, or to be fair, it's not there in a timely fashion. They're like, right, we'll see you in three and a half to four months. I'm like, well, that could be the difference between life and death. So I'll go and uh, pay for a scan privately. So they gave me a letter. But giving me the letter, they had to give me all the notes, you see, and the x-ray notes. And they said, um, they said significant plural thickening, which is, um, it's a bit shocking that, right? It's not good, significant plural thickening. And they mentioned in the notes, COPD, possible lung cancer. I shit myself, right? So I had to wait for... Um, couple of weeks to get the scan, more than a couple of weeks actually, from the time I got the x-ray. And uh, got the scan, the private scan, got in and thankfully it came back clear that there was nothing wrong with the lungs. Right, thank God for that, right? Happy days, throw a party, that's the response, that's the result of the exam uh, that you want. But, uh, but I'm fascinated and I shared this story on Sunday about, about something. I'm fascinated about how sure the radiographer, the person who read the x-ray, not the radiographer, the person who read it, the consultant who read it, how sure they were that 
the lungs were in a bad way. Uh, and then several weeks later to get a scan back to say, no, there's nothing wrong with the lungs. And the reason I'm telling this story is because in that time period, um, I had energy healing. A significant amount of it, by the way. And um, I mentioned it with Peter, Peter Ebden, on the show last Sunday. So I'm fascinated to, to try and find out a bit more about the x-rays. Now, the x-ray was on the NHS. I've petitioned the doctor to try and get me a copy, if at all possible, a copy of the x-ray to look at it again and to see if there was significant damage on the x-ray and that it wasn't the case that the x-ray was misread. Because when I asked the consultant at the private hospital, why did they tell me COPD, cancer, blah, 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 plural thickening, significant plural thickening? And he said they probably misread the x-ray. They saw a shadow or they saw something that didn't make any sense to them, that looked worrying to them, and they put it in the notes. But I'd like to know, particularly having undergone the energy healing, I'd really like to see the x-ray to see if the x-ray does in fact show what the person who read the x-ray determined, that there was some damage there. It's very interesting, isn't it? It is to us, to me and you, because we talk about energy healing on this programme with the great Mark Pajerski, who I've seen perform energy healing on people and do extraordinary things. Peter's been on, of course. So I don't know if I'll be able to get a hold of the original x-ray, which happened on the NHS eventually. But if it does show what they thought it was, well, then we're in the realms of, wow, you know, energy healing. So I don't know. But it was a pretty stressful and a pretty traumatic period. I don't mind telling you, wondering and worrying about what might be going on or what might not be going on. Anyway, your comments next. It is Thursday's Richie Allen Show. The time is coming up for 18 and a half minutes past six, so it is. And uh, this, obviously, is the police and every breath that you take. Yeah, the police and every breath you take. I want your thoughts, right? I want your thoughts because because I, I don't know why I contracted those infections during those periods. I don't know why, and I'd like to know why. You see, my consultant said to me, he said, you're in you're in really good shape. I am. I'm, I'm rock hard shape, right? I run five miles every day. I'm 13 stone, eight and a half pounds, six foot six inches tall. Um, I'm an animal, right? When it comes to the, the running, I love it, right? There are times when I'm running really well and posting good times. There are times when I'm shite and I'm not posting good times, but I don't mind. I enjoy it. I listen to a podcast sometimes, nothing in the independent media. I will listen, not because there's anything wrong with the independent media podcast, but I can't be arsed. I'd rather listen to something entertaining. So I might listen to Steve Bunce talking about boxing. I might listen to a celebrity interview by maybe by somebody like Joe Rogan, maybe, maybe a football podcast. And I go on my run. And this guy says to me, he says, for a 48 year old guy, you've never smoked that much as a parent. Your lungs are in amazing condition. Why then would we get such serious infections as some of us? came down with in the last three years and I'm really open-minded to this you know I'm, I'm really open-minded when when I think about this I'm going to invite Dr Chris Busby back on this program because I don't think there's anybody in the world who knows more about electromagnetic radiation than Chris Busby is that how we should refer to it electromagnetic radi- non-ionizing radiation 
And I, many a time on this programme, we've opened up the discussion as to what what does non-ionising radiation do to human beings? Can it cause serious health problems in human beings and animals? Okay, I, I'm of the mindset that it probably can. Not because I want to believe that, but because I've, I've heard from too many learned people who believe that placing 4G towers as they did and now 5G towers around us, Wi-Fi boxes in every living room in the country, or not every living room, you know what I mean, um, phone masts everywhere, high tension, high powered cables, electricity lines. I'm of the belief that, yeah, maybe these maybe these realities, the reality that these things surround us might be doing us some harm. And I've got to wonder, where do those infections come from? Maybe terrain theory, maybe. Maybe it's in the water, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's something that's coming from the sky. I am convinced that geoengineering, that chemtrailing is a real phenomenon. I believe they are doing it. I used to be a bit embarrassed when I was doing this type of radio in Spain. I didn't want people to know that I considered that chemtrailing was a real thing. Not because I have thin skin, but I thought you lose people if you talk about chemtrails. They'll never believe that. They'll think you're cloud cuckoo. They'll think you've lost your fucking mind, right? So I believed it was going on, but I was a bit re- reluctant or reticent or whatever you want to say to talk about that one particularly. But is that, is that what's going on? I mean, I I genuinely do not like talking about myself, but I'm somebody who lived with asthma, non-smoker. Again, I've got to stress that I never even touched one. I wouldn't hold a cigarette for a friend in a nightclub. When I was going to nightclubs when I was in my teens, I hate the things. I despise them. I absolutely loathe them. Never took a puff as an experiment. I threatened a friend one time when I was 14, for pushing it and pushing it on me. I hated it that much. I said, if you keep asking, I'm going to fucking knock you out. I have no interest in in cigarette smoking. But I did work in nightclubs for years and bars where everybody else was smoking, right? But that's not the issue. My lungs are absolutely A+. So how do you get to the stage where within two days of feeling a tightness in your chest, that you're breathing in and you're getting nothing, none of that oxygen is saturating into your lungs. It's not being absorbed by your lungs. It's like altitude sickness, where you fear for your life, where you tell your missus in the bed alongside you, not because you're a fucking drama queen, but because it's happening. It's actually happening. I am dying, love. I'm not going to survive the night. I can't get breath into my lungs. What's going on? Where's that coming from? You've got to consider the environmental factors. So for the non-virus theory people, I'll continue to take the piss out of you as long as I'm alive. Because I don't believe that viruses don't exist. I think what Dr. Ahmad Malik said earlier on, there's got to be some middle ground. Terrain theory and germ theory can, can coexist maybe. But again, I've got to say, I've never gone anywhere near medical school. I've had no training or, you know grounding in any of those subjects. So what's happening? What is going on? Doctors are saying that people are sicker and sicker and sicker. Yet maybe factor in the jabs. 100% the jabs are playing some part in that. But what about those of us who never got a jab? I'll be honest with you. 
What are we now? 27 minutes past six and I'm in great form. I love speaking with you. This is the highlight of my day. No, it isn't. It's the second highlight of my day. Highlight number one is um, finishing up the show and going and spending the rest of the evening with my missus and the two pumpies. But this is one of the highlights of my day, having this conversation. I'll be honest with you. I'm not somebody who lives with fear, but it does occur to me all the time. Richie, you might be only five or six months from another one of these infections. Where are they coming from? And it's all guesswork, isn't it? Because you can't prove anything. But I do believe non-ionising radiation, which we are surrounded by now, electromagnetic frequencies, surrounded. There is literally no escape. People have talked about Faraday cages and stuff. and But good luck with that, you know what I mean? I mean, where the fuck am I going to build a Faraday cage in Salford to protect myself from this stuff if it is, in fact, causing some harm? You know, do I stop doing the Richie Allen show? No, because if I do, I'll go bananas if I, if I stop. I'm not going to stop. Because <laughs> I'll be more depressed than you will. Not that you'll be depressed if I stop this programme. Of course, I'm being facetious. Um, Paul says Roy Castle died of lung cancer never smoked but did play trumpet in nightclubs for years I smoke says Paul and I know the risks I drink too much alcohol too says Paul I'm your brother Paul I also drink too much alcohol but I have very recently begun to scale it back a little bit and I have by the way this isn't bullshit why would I tell you that I'm a serious drinker unless you know, I was telling the truth. So I've scaled it back. I have ditched the Bacardi. It's killing me. No, it's not killing me, but I've ditched the Bacardi. And I've reduced myself to a couple of Guinnesses. I have, honestly. And I think I feel a bit better for it. I definitely began to drink more during the silliness of 2020 and 2021. And that's not the excuse. I don't want to blame anything or anyone for my failings. It's not an excuse. I knew what I was doing. And I'm a good drinker, by the way, you know. I'm a happy boozer. I don't booze during the day, but I booze in the evening after work and I just get happy. And that's a bad thing, maybe. Maybe if you got rowdy and maybe if you got yourself into trouble, maybe you might have more. It it, it might it might be easier to stop. But um, what's going on with those, with those thicknesses? Bree says, clear sky all day. Now the planes are spraying like crazy. Lo and behold... We have a sky filling up with clouds of whatever they are spraying. That's Brie. Yeah. Jeff asks, talking of taking the piss, did you pass on the viral infection that you had to your missus in bed? Of course, Jeff's an idiot. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. By, by, by saying that the person in the bed next to you didn't become ill, well then obviously it wasn't a virus. But Jeff, I'll tell you, yes, she did come down with an infection at the same time. But it affected me um, worse than it affected her. You see, the no virus people, the reason that I find you ridiculous is because although Ahmad Malik is 100% right to say that being a medical doctor is, no, is nothing to brag about in 2023 because of what went on in recent years, right? He's right to say that. It is still preposterous to me that laymen and laywomen dicking around on the internet start screaming out there's no such thing as viruses. And when you ask them why, they tell you, uh, well, because uh, John Rappaport told me or Dr. Andrew Kaufman told me. Yeah, but I can present you with 500,000 doctors. 
not all of them dickheads, who say viruses are real, Richie, because I've been treating viruses for 40 years in my practice. You see what I'm saying? So people shouting out stuff on Twitter, it just makes me laugh. It has no impact on me whatsoever. And eventually what I do is I just ignore you. Like Jeff, I'll ignore Jeff. I won't be reading any more of his messages to the, uh, to the app. I just won't read them. It's as simple as that. Because it's foolish. Have some humility, you know. Have some humility. Go and do the discipline. Go and do the training. And then come back to me and tell me there is no such thing as viruses. But don't tell me there's no such thing as viruses that they don't exist because your favourite doctor on Facebook tells you there's no such thing as viruses. And this is not to Jeff. This is to everybody who thinks like that. Grow a bit of humility. It won't kill you to be humble about it. I don't speak as an expert. I, I always leave that room for, 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 for possibly being wrong because I'm often wrong on things. But I know my own body. I know what I've put up with over the years. I've interviewed some amazing doctors over the years. I've interviewed some amazing doctors on, on, on this programme and on mainstream uh, radio programmes and television programmes and the majority of them will tell you, yeah, viruses are real. Germs are real. We do spread germs sometimes to people and they sometimes spread them to us and sometimes we become ill. But that's not to say that you can't... There isn't room for both theories, you see? That's how I see it. But um, rather than bark at me that viruses don't exist, give me some proof of it. Uh-uh, you're not going to do that, of course not. So you're not. Alexandra came back on to say, a very good friend of hers used to live in a tiny mezzanine flat in Kentish Town, London. On top of her roof, there were massive masts. 5G, reckons Alexandra. She had horrible headaches when inside the flat. When she was there, she had headaches. The moment she went out for walks in nature, the headaches stopped. It's incredible when some people claim these things are harmless. Well, like I said, Chris Busby is of the opinion that they're not harmless at all and that they do have an impact on, on human health. Wiz came on to say the medical establishment regularly says that lung cancer is the number one cancer killer. But I can't remember anyone I know who has died of lung cancer. But I know loads that have died of other cancers. That's Wiz. Darren reckons positivity or positive thoughts are a great healer to negativity. I think you might want to write that again, Darren. Um... Uh, every, for people who choose to live their lives in a bad state of constant fear of humankind being controlled and harmed emotionally causing a low energy state within them. You need to write that again, Darren. C can I give you some advice to people? And I'm kind of fed up of doing this. Before you press send, could you read it before you press send? Just read it out loud. Because if you can't read it, the chances are I'm not going to be able to read it either. Thank you. Thank you. Mini rant over. Um, yeah, read it out loud and then send it to me if it makes any sense. Bell is looking into heating white vinegar in an oil burner outside. It breaks up chemtrails, says Bell. Really, Bell? It works. I've been doing it for the past month. The eight-hour candles are the best. I'll send links next week, says Bell. Claire has been on to say, Richie, had you not even scarring on your lungs? No, no, this is the thing. This is the thing. When the consultant rang me back to talk to me about the results of the CT scan, first things first, nothing wrong with your lungs. There is no pleural thickening. Oh my God. Happy days. Is there any scarring from previous infections? The consultant said, no, we can't see any scarring. Now they've sent me all of the images. 
There are so many of them. There, there, there are like 160 images, maybe more, in this big massive folder, right? Of course, I can open the images, but I don't know anything about it, so I might as well be reading Mandarin Chinese. I have no clue. He says, no, no scarring whatsoever. I said, listen, I've been having horrendous infections ever since I was a young boy. Not regularly, but at least one, sometimes two a year. Bad shit like. There's no evidence of that. And he said, well, no, it wouldn't, you know, the, the fact that we can't see it doesn't mean you didn't have the infections. You obviously had the infections, but no scarring. What's going on? I don't know. Holly says, Richie, this will annoy you. Sadness, she says, from childhood is trapped in the lungs. Holly, you're not the first person to say that. I've had that said to me before. Thank you. Peter in Suffolk says, Richie, I had this very discussion with my better half this morning regarding what are they spraying in our skies. Since early September 4th, I've had nosebleeds on and off and generally crusty nose most of the time. I've had no jabs and I've not smoked cigarettes for many years. I cannot think of any other reason because I do not socialise with many people either. That's Peter in Suffolk. Thanks. I've got to go to the website because I'm prioritising the app and I shouldn't be doing that. Thank you. Mark says, calm down, Richie. You're beginning to sound like Tony Gosling, who also spits his dummy out when someone mentions anything to do with viruses. Dear, dear Mark, dear Mark, dear boy. Haven't spat my dummy out, Mark. You're the one spitting your dummy out. You see, you're pissed off because I don't agree with you. That's the thing about producing or presenting a well-known radio show. When you get familiar with a radio presenter over many years and you like the radio presenter and you like the guests and you like the show, for some people, they really melt down when they find any area of disagreement with their radio presenter. You just can't cope with it. Mark, you are doing the ad hominem ad hominem thing. You are refusing to acknowledge my point. Prove that viruses do not exist to me, please. Show me your medical degree. Don't just tell me that Andrew Kaufman or Robert Malone or God knows who say that viruses don't exist. Don't do that. That is fucking pathetic. Show me. Tell me why viruses do not exist. I'm a journalist. I'm a very good journalist. When you show me that proof, I will take it to the public. I will put my hands up and say, you know what? Listener came to me with some definitive proof that viruses don't exist. Until that time, Mark, fuck off and stop wasting my time. Good lad. Colin says, what about the experiments they tried with the Spanish flu? Swapping bodily fluids, etc. with the sick and 100 healthy. Again, please read some of these messages before posting send. It, it helps. Uh, Connor says they could not make one of the healthy people sick. Really? Any proof of that again? Proof, you see. Patricia says, without wanting to sound paranoid, I truly believe that since 5G has been activated, I have dizzy spells. I never had them before. I also, says Patricia, I have no doubt that chemtrails affect people. And I have no patience with people who still choose not to see them. Yeah. Yeah, because the proof is right there, Patricia, isn't it? When I when I rant on about proof sometimes, and I do rant on sometimes, but you'll accept that. We're friends, aren't we? Aren't we? We can accept a rant every now and then. Uh, when it comes to proof, there you are right there. It's up there in front of your in, in front of your eyes. I've said it to friends of mine. It's crazy, Richie, it's nonsense. Have a look up there. What's that? Well, Richie, that's jet contrails. Right, so that's water vapour, is it? Yeah. Why is it up there for nearly two hours? 
Why has it not disappeared? Why, in fact, not only has it not disappeared, why has it expanded across the sky, turning a perfectly blue sky and sunny morning into this shit show? Why? And your friend just eyes glaze over, doesn't want to know. Don't want to know. It's in front of you. Look at it up there. And I know why. It's for the same reason I was a little bit reluctant to talk about it with friends back in my early kind of freedom radio days when I had the freedom to talk about whatever I wanted. I did interview people about chemtrails. I did provide that platform. But it wasn't something I spoke about with others because I thought I would lose them. I preferred to talk to them about the 7th of July bombings September the 11th, JFK and other things like that. I thought I have more chance of reaching you. But if I mention chemtrails, I'm going to lose them. I don't care anymore. Uh, Jen says, have you tried quitting wheat, Richie? I don't get much wheat in my diet, I don't think anyway. Um, Jen says, it's brutal on the respiratory system for some. Check out Barbara O'Neill's YouTube on the respiratory system. She's an amazing naturopath who was banned from practising in Australia in 2020. Uh, You did ask, says Jen. Fair enough, Jen, yeah. Mentioned aspartame. I used to speak to a lady when I was working in Spain many years ago called Betty Martini. What a lovely woman. And Betty, I think, is alive and well and healthy. I might invite her back to uh, speak to us on the Richie Allen Show about sweeteners and about um, Searle, G.K. Searle, was it? Didn't Donald Rumsfeld, what an evil bastard, didn't he have something to do? Or was it Dick Cheney? Help me out, dear listener. You've got the chance to do the research before the end of the programme. I can't do it because I'm talking to you. But was was it Donald Rumsfeld had something to do with aspartame getting FDA approval in the United States. Hasn't it been believed since day one that aspartame is a carcinogen? And until recently, I don't think they use aspartame anymore in Coca-Cola products. I think they're using other sweeteners now. Again, please feel free to correct me. Feel free to correct me because I think I heard that recently on a radio show. But um, aspartame is deadly, right? Says the boy who had lots of aspartame over the years. <laughs> May God have mercy on my soul for having aspartame, yeah. Dave says, Bell is right about the white vinegar. Doreen has been on to say, Richie, I had COVID before it was a thing. I had it again within a year. I've become more susceptible to sore throats and chest infections since then. I'm on jabs, says Doreen. I knew taking it would finish me off completely. And Rob says, Richie, you have a penchant for only accepting proof if someone is qualified as a doctor. Bollocks, Rob. That's not true. That isn't true. You've obviously not listened to the Richie Allen show for long enough. He says, but you trust the science was a mantra by the authorities during the scandemic and look how wrong that was. I didn't trust the science during the pandemic. I don't take everything that comes out of the mouths of doctors as Uh, True, but doctors, good doctors, our family doctors, Rob, have been treating viruses caused by germs for years and years and years and years. Right? I'm not a doctor. I don't know. What am I going to believe, Rob? People who've treated viruses for years, right? Or some bloke on Twitter or who sends me a message on the, the Richie Allen Show app who shouts at me about viruses not being real and then refers me to some other doctor. You see what I'm saying, Rob? You know, <laughs> Please leave the journalism to the journalists. 
I stand to be corrected. If somebody offers proof that viruses don't exist, that it's all one massive big conspiracy, I will be the first person to say, Jesus, wow, look at this. We have proof. But there's no proof, from. All we have is a few doctors, celebrity, truther industrial complex doctors, who do quite well out of telling people who don't want to believe that viruses exist, is that viruses don't exist. Echo chambers. My radio show is not an echo chamber. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear so that you will enrich me. Right? I don't do that. I'll never do that. I call it as I see it. I might be wrong, but this is how I see it. Okay? Tracy says, Richie, Dr. David Cartland interviewed a pilot about chemtrails. Really interesting. Andy Warhol was right, wasn't he? <laughs> Everybody will be famous in 15, for 15 minutes in the future. They've all got podcasts now. The Doctors. I suppose it's no bad thing because they've all, like, like Dr. Malik, they've all been, many of them have been in mainstream medicine and I suppose it's a good thing if they're doing podcasts because they might have a better chance maybe of reaching people, people maybe who would never give a radio show like this a second chance maybe. So maybe it's a good thing. But um, yeah, I find it amusing <laughs> sometimes. But uh Ahmad Malik's podcast looks really, really good. He's put a bit of time into it. And you can find out more about it at Doc Malik, D-O-C-M-A-L-I-K dot com. Doc Malik. Keep those messages coming in. Come here and I tell you as well, I didn't get a chance to mention this during the week, but boy, this weekend, in fact, Paul Ripley, my engineer and friend, is having a discussion this evening with uh, the wonderful Mike and the managers of the Fab Cafe in Manchester, which is in Portland Street in Manchester, right? I'm going to do a one-off thing. We're calling it An Evening with the BBG. And it's going to be one Sunday in September. More than likely, early to mid-September. And it'll be... I can't get into too much of what it's going to be now. Really, I'll waffle on if I do that. But it'll be a ticketed thing. It won't be expensive. Don't panic at all. It won't be expensive at all. And what it'll do is, after we pay, we don't have to pay for the venue because Mike is amazing. After we look after one or two people who will need to pay, anything left over then will go to support the Richie Allen radio show. But I'll be giving a talk. There'll be a Q&A. There'll be a bar obviously there. It won't break you. It won't be a hugely expensive bar. As uh, bars go in Manchester, it's not one of the most expensive bars. But um, it'll be it'll be good. It's something I wanted to do, but on a bigger scale, before the COVID nonsense, I had planned a small tour of theatres in the UK where I was going to talk about, about the media, the evolution of the media from the early printing presses to the media we have today, including the independent media. I wrote it. It was um, a little over two hours. It was audiovisual. Um, he says it was funny, very funny in parts. It was like my monologues during the COVID stuff and, and since, to be honest, the monologues, but in theatre form, talked talked it out with friends of mine who know theatre, one in particular, and I looked forward to that. It wasn't going to really interfere with the radio show. I was going to do six or eight of them around the UK. And then, of course, the COVID thing happened and it's gone by the wayside. So, so I've wanted to do something where I could meet listeners to the programme. 
because believe it or not despite me giving you a bit of a a volley of abuse not abuse I don't abuse you um, for, for giving you a kick in the arse every now and then I do love you I mean I really do I wouldn't be I don't think I'd be here without without you. I don't mean dead, but it was a huge, it was a big deal. I loved the radio show before the COVID nonsense. I enjoyed it, right? We came on every day. We talked to people about various subjects, right, that were that were unsayable on mainstream media. And I loved the show. It was lighthearted most of the time. And I loved the show. But then it became a different show during the 2020 madness. But I also needed it very much. I needed to be able to kind of vent at five o'clock of an afternoon with, with everything that was going on, the horrors that we were bear, that we were bearing witness to. So it kind of saved my life up to a point. And then of course it got on my it got on my nerves then after a year of doing it. And in twenty twenty one of course I you know I nearly lost it completely because I couldn't bear going on air talking about the same things every day. But um I've wanted to meet our listeners. There's nothing remotely egotistical about that. I mean, there isn't, you know. It's not, um, you know, given that the big I am, it isn't. I just want to meet you. And I've got some interesting things to say about the media and about, you know, the times we're living in. He says, that that doesn't sound very modest, does it? I've got some interesting things to say. I'm sure you've got some interesting things to say. But I think it's time that we that we met up and we had a chat and we can have a drink. Um, You know, the venue will open, I think, and then after an hour, I, I, I will do my thing with Paul. We'll have a musical break. We've got a brilliant musician who's going to sing some songs. We'll do another part of the talk. We'll have a Q&A, I think. And then after the Q&A, I get to have a beer with you. And that's how it's going to be. And it'll be the first or second or at the very worst case scenario, the third Sunday in September Tickets will be available. We'll let you know when they're available. An external company will probably handle that and then the rest of them will be will be over to you. And hopefully you'll buy the tickets and hopefully you'll come and see me because if you don't, <laughs> I look like a bit of an idiot, won't I? Just a little bit. He booked a venue that holds 250 people and he only sold 27 tickets. I could see that happening, actually. This guy thinks he's a... Uh, this guy thinks he's got a popular radio show. Only 26 people turned up. Can you believe it? Yeah, absolutely. Bill makes a good point. There is no definitive proof that anything exists or doesn't exist. Therefore, you, Richie, say you would want the definitive proof. Look, of course you cannot prove a negative, Bill. I know that. And of course, much of what I say, my tongue is firmly poking into my right cheek. Right? Not angry. I'm frustrated sometimes. You know, that you don't listen to me. You know, I'm the only journalist you know in the independent media. The only real one. I mean, I am. This is the only real radio show that broadcasts in the independent media. I mean, trust me sometimes. You know, those of you who do run around after the same doctors, lapping up every word, don't do that. Don't do that. Treat everything you hear and see with the same scepticism you would treat the BBC or, or, or CNN. I mean, I do. Don't take anything I say as given. What the hell do I know? I'm a gobby paddy from Waterford. Who's got half of a brain? And I know how the media works, but don't take it on board. Or take it on board, but treat it with a pinch of salt, really. It's healthy. It really is. You know, don't give all of your love to these truthers on Twitter and on Facebook. 
you know, for many of them, not all of them, there's some brilliant people in the independent media. I do, I do as much as I can to, 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 to share their work. There's some brilliant people. But there's some shysters out there as well, and they see you as a means to an end. And that means is to put money in their pockets. And just beware of that, you know. It's big business these days, people telling you what you want to hear. It's very big business. God, it's a, it's a gold mine, And you can see this as well. Don't tell me you can't see this, you know, with your own eyes. You know who they are, you know. Sarah, we don't know. There's going to have to be some seating at the venue because there are some people, of course, who won't be able to stand. We'll have to make room, of course, for people who need to use a wheelchair, of course. Um, so we don't know. Leave it with us for the next two to three days. Paul reckons we'll have information on the website by, I don't know, by Tuesday. And that's decent enough lead in time. We have June, we have July, we have August. So plenty of time for people uh, to make plans if they want to come up to Manchester. I'm not going to live stream it. It won't be live streamed. But we will record it. And then a couple of days later, we will upload the recording, but it won't be live streamed. It's going to be an intimate thing, okay? And, um, yeah, like I said, it could be a load of bollocks. You might say, Jesus, that wasn't great, Richie. <laughs> Richie, you're, that's that's not great, you know. And fair enough, it mightn't be great. But, hey, you might take a punt on it. It might be great. It might be a good day out, good evening out. Fred says, Richie, name one disease caused by a pathogenic virus that has been cured, not treated, but cured by doctors. Great question, Fred. I, I can't answer that. I don't know. Great question. Do you not think we've spent hours on this programme over the years laughing at the fact that there isn't a cure for the cold? I hear you. I hear you. I don't dismiss anything. I'm not dismissing the no virus thing out of hand. You're not listening to me. I'm not dismissing it out of hand. I'm just saying, bring me more than John Rappaport, Richie. And some, no, I like John Rappaport, by the way. John's a brilliant writer. I've a lot of time for him. He doesn't like me anymore, but I still like him. I like John. You see, I, I, I've got very thick skin. When people don't like me, I still like them. And I would recommend people read John Rappaport. But he doesn't like the BBG anymore, he says, referring to himself in the third person. Don't do that. That's okay. But um, don't bring me that. Bring me something more, is all I'm asking. And don't melt down when your favourite radio presenter says something you disagree with. Don't melt down. Just say, well, I disagree, Baldy. F you, Baldy. I'm looking forward to your next interview. Exactly. That's how it should be. What do I know? I'm, I'm tired of saying it. I'm trying to drag out something to close out today's programme. We will speak again on Sunday morning for Sunday morning melodies. Uh, the melodies this coming Sunday will be better prepared than last Sunday. Even though I'm going out with Paul on Saturday night, but it won't be a late night. And we won't be getting pissed. Um, not totally pissed anyway. But um, yeah, so Sunday Morning Melodies at 10 o'clock UK time. This coming Sunday morning. Please tune in. Uh, other than that, the next time we speak then, if you don't like the melodies, which some don't, will be this coming Monday, of course, on um, the usual channels at 5, say it for me, PM UK time. And I've dragged out a song now, or so I believe. Look, thanks for all the messages. Alice says, one thing, one good thing that came out of COVID for me was discovering the show. Thanks for that, Alice. You and Mark Poyerski lit a fire under me and helped me take on the Irish Health Service 
Executive, the Health Service Executive. Thank you so much for that, Alice. I really appreciate that. Look, thanks for all your messages today, for, for taking the time to send them. I really appreciate it. You could just sit there and not send them, you know. Thank you, Joe, who says she's looking forward to meeting me and then says something about life. I didn't save your life, Joe. I didn't. I didn't save anybody's life. It was nice to have some place to go, wasn't it? In 2020, particularly, when we could have a chat and say, Christ, what a shit show that is. What lies they're telling us. That was very important. So I don't think any life-saving went on on this radio show, but it definitely kept us calm, I think. I think it did. Hi to Susan, the crazy dog lady. She says, Richie, Dr. Brian Weiss has found that lots of our present life illnesses and mental states can relate back to past life issues. He found many of his therapy clients were cured of all manner of things through past life regression. His book, which is called Many Lives, Many Master, is a fantastic read and insight into how all of this works. Thank you, Susan. And that's the type of thing that my other, my better half, the the woman in my life, she's very interested in that type of thing. Very, very interested. That's it for me. If I didn't read out your message, hundreds came in. Like, they really did. I'll take a screen grab and I'll show you. Hundreds come in through the app during the programme. Have a great weekend, whatever you're doing. Look after yourselves and one another. And you and I will speak again on Sunday morning. If not, it'll be Monday at 5. From your BBG, it is... Bye for now. Bye for now.